0: Hello and welcome to episode 59, part 2.1, pay-per-view, where I review the papers and big headlines over the week and place events and headlines in the true context in a weekly podcast. And the first subject is Trump and Russia. This is in the Independent. Trump News. President admits he has not even read Mueller report as key aide branded a scumbag. This is the Mueller report investigating possible Russian collusion in the 2016 election for Donald Trump. I talk about that in episode 57, part 1. Donald Trump has told reporters he had not seen or read a report produced by Special Counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election. Speaking on the White House lawn before departing for a trip to Texas, the President told media I won while claiming he did not care to read the conclusion from the Special Counsel's findings. His comments arrived as Attorney General William Barr arrived on Capitol Hill for another day of testimony in front of congressional lawmakers saying Wednesday he thinks spying did occur against the President's 2016 campaign. I think spying on a political campaign is a big deal, Mr Barr said, calling the type of spying he believed took place as unauthorised. Yes, I think spying did occur. The question is whether it was adequately predicated, he added. Meanwhile, Mr Trump's acting interior secretary, David Bernhardt, attempted to conceal meetings with fossil fuel lobbyists and representatives of timber and mining and other natural resources industries from his official schedule, according to reports. The president was set to announce further bad news for environmentalists during a trip to Texas on Wednesday when he signs an executive order designed to make it harder for states to scuttle unwanted pipeline projects and other energy initiatives by denying permit permissions on water-quality grounds, a loophole regularly exploited, according to Republicans. There's another article here, also in The Independent on the same subject israeli intervention in u.s elections vastly overwhelms anything russia has done claims noam chomsky veteran activist noam chomsky has accused israel of brazenly interfering in u.s electoral politics in a way that vastly outweighs any efforts that may have been carried out by russia in comments in which he accused much of the media of concentrating on stories he considered marginal and ignoring issues such as the existential threat of climate change when i talk about climate change in episodes 18 and 29 as well as other episodes and why it's a massive scam to justify a massive transformation of human society the story goes on the 89 year old linguist said in much of the world the US media's focus with Russia's alleged interference in the 2016 election it was a joke first of all if you're interested in foreign interference in our elections whatever the Russians may have done barely counts on ways in the balances compared with what another state does openly, brazenly, with enormous support, he said. Speaking to Democracy Now, Mr. Trumpsky added, Israeli intervention in US elections vastly overwhelms anything the Russians may have done. I mean, even to the point where the Prime Minister of Israel, Netanyahu, goes directly to Congress without even informing the President and speaks to Congress with overwhelming applause to try to undermine the President's policies. What happened with Obama and Netanyahu in 2015? In March 2015, at the invitation of then-Republican House Speaker John Benner and assisted by Israel's ambassador, To the U.S. Ron Dermer, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu addressed the joint houses of Congress about the yet-to-be-signed Iran nuclear deal. He did so without formally informing the White House something said to have infuriated Barack Obama, whose administration would the following month join a seven-party agreement to limit Iran's alleged nuclear weapons ambitions, whose administration would the following month during a seven-party agreement to limit Iran's alleged nuclear weapons ambitions. In a speech to Congress that was boycotted by more than 50 Democrats, Mr Netanyahu made clear his opposition to the deal. This deal won't be a farewell to arms, said Mr Netanyahu, to loud applause. It would be a farewell to arms control, and the Middle East would soon be crisscrossed by nuclear tripwires, a region where small skirmishes can trigger big wars would turn into a nuclear tinderbox. Attacking Mr Obama proposal of dealing with iran he added we must all stand together to stop iran's marks of conquest subjugation and terror mr tromsky said mr Putin had never made a speech to congress which political observers said was unique in the way a foreign leader so acidly attacked the policy of the u.s government did putin come to give an address to the joint sessions of a congress trying to calling on them to reverse u.s policy without even informing the president he said and that's just a tiny bit of this overwhelming influence so if you happen to be interested in influence of foreign influence on elections there are places to look but even that is a joke the article continues the power of the pro-israel lobby has long been one of the contentious and disputed issues in washington in 2007 john mearsheimer and stephen walt published the israel lobby and u.s foreign policy which described the lobby as a loose coalition of individuals and organizations who actively work to steer US foreign policy in a pro-Israel direction. The coalition includes groups such as the powerful American Israel Public Affairs Committee, AIPAC, a U.S.-based pro-Israel lobbying group, which this year has spent $1.75 million to promote pro-Israel policies. The group's annual convention is a frequent stopping-off point for politicians seeking election or re-election, and Mr. Netanyahu has addressed it several times. In 2016, top speakers included Vice President Joe Biden, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump, Governor John Kasich, Senator Ted Cruz, and Speaker Paul Ryan. The group's website says the mission of AIPAC is to strengthen, protect and promote the U.S.-Israel relationship in ways that enhance the security of the United States and Israel. The article continues... Neither the Israeli embassy in Washington or APAC immediately responded to inquiries about Mr. Tromsky's claim. In his comments to Democracy Now!, Mr. Tromsky said the media was focusing on issues which are pretty marginal. There are much more serious issues that are being put to the side. Of all Trump's policies, the one that is the most dangerous and destructive in fact poses an existential threat is his policies on climate change, on global warming, he said. Well, I don't agree with Trump on much, but in terms of what Trump says about climate change, which is that he doesn't believe it's what we're told it is i agree and i explain why in episodes 18 and 29 the quote goes on that's really destructive and we're facing an imminent threat not far removed of enormous damage the effects are already visible but nothing like what's going to come he added these are the kinds of issues that should be under discussion instead here is a focus on what i believe are marginalia The article here guardian from may 2018 Israeli intelligence firm spied on Palestinian-American Linda Sarsour, report says. An Israeli private intelligence firm spied on the Palestinian-American activist and Women's March co-chair Linda Sarsour and her family in an apparent attempt to collect damaging information, according to a report by Haaretz. Israel Cyber Shield supplied information to a right-wing pro-Israel group associated with American billionaire and Donald Trump backer Sheldon Adelson, the Israeli newspaper reported. Peretz claimed RCS delivered the dossier to the ACT IL group, ACT.IL group, and the materials used to dissuade US colleges from allowing the activists who support a boycott of Israel to speak on campus. This is a recurring theme. If you criticize Israel and expose Israel or Zionism, you find again and again that it's harder and harder for you to get a platform to speak. Why? What have Israel got to hide? The story continues. Sara who lives in Brooklyn, has been a frequent target of pro-Israel pressure organisations. She is a supporter of the Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions, BDS movement, a Palestinian-led global effort to persuade companies, artists, governments and universities to boycott Israel over its occupation of the Palestinian territories as well as other demands, modelled on South African anti-apartheid campaigns, because that's what Israel is an apartheid state. BDS is seen as a strategic threat by Israel's government and it has banned members of organizations it deems pro-BDS, including a Jewish anti-occupation non-profit, from entering the country. The blacklist has been condemned as an assault on free speech. Correctly, I would say, because of course it is. Haaretz cited a student who it said volunteered for Act I.L. claimed the Sarsawa dossier included a password protective file containing information on her parents as well as a court case in which she was involved. The dossier included allegations that Sarsawa applauded violence toward Israeli soldiers and a tweet of hers that said nothing is creepier than Zionism. The elite level of Zionism, she means. It concluded with an executive summary that highlighted her apparent weak points, the report said. At which says its primary goal is to battle BDS and the delegitimization of Israel, used the information to prepare a letter that was distributed to the heads of universities where Sorosol had appeared, Haaretz said. After the article was published, a U.S.-based pro-Israel think tank, which says it protects Western values from Middle Eastern threats, said it had compiled the document. In a statement, of the Middle East Forum said it publicly and openly tracked Linda Sorosol's career since 2010 and created the dossier in December. One of the U.S.'s most prominent activists, Sower, is co-chair of the Women's March movement and has spoke at its main Washington rally after Trump's inauguration. Haretz said ACT-IL CEO Yardin Ben-Yosef confirmed his group received materials from ICS but did not pay for it. The head of ICS and a former officer in Israel's Police's International Crime Division, Iran Vasco, was quoted in the article as refusing to disclose if he had worked for At ICS operates lawfully engaging in research and information on anti-Israeli activity, the delegitimization movement and its activists, as reflected in their visible activity on social media. We do not engage in building files on activists or their families. It seems you must have confused us with other organizations, he was quoted as saying. The Guardians contacted Act ICS, and Sarasota for a response. Whatever is accused of doing, spying, cyber hacking, Israel intelligence, to doing it all. The focus on the lie of Russian collusion with Trump, which was revealed to be a claim with no validity as a result of the Mueller report. One of the reasons for that is to hide Israeli collusion, more specifically Zionist collusion, and the network which controls elite Zionism, which I'll get to in this episode. Israeli control and influence in American politics is absolutely stunning. I talk in episode 57 about the origin and another main reason for the Russian collusion hoax. Trump is not Putin's puppet but he is Israel's puppet and this is the real revelation which you won't hear in the media controlled by those who control elite Zionism. One of the reasons Trump was brought to power was to be a figurehead for great change in America. Not to make America great again but to incite social change in America, by generating divide and rule between Trump haters and Trump supporters. This syncs perfectly with the tactics laid out by the Marxist Saul Alinsky, who talked about creating a figurehead by pinning the focus of what we call today progressives. On one target, Alinsky wrote, pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. And this means Trump becomes the source of everything wrong in the minds of the democratic, fake, liberal left. The Trump haters. This creates a divide between them and Trump's Republican right. This creates the polarities Alinsky talked about, which can then be played off against each other for divide and rule. I say fake liberal left because they are claiming to be liberal while acting in the exact opposite ways. True liberals would act in, not least destroying freedom of speech. Alinsky wrote, The major premise for tactics is the development of operations that will maintain a constant pressure upon the opposition. And that's exactly what is happening with Trump now. Now, I'm no supporter of Trump or any other political leader, but what Alinsky wrote right, is happening. We're looking at a form of cultural Marxism unfolding in society now, whereby instead of the class struggle, it's now the self identity struggle. And as such, we now have a situation whereby the Silicon Valley billionaire, who would before have been seen as the polarity by those known today as progressives in the class struggle, Now the progressives are standing shoulder to shoulder with the billionaires as long as they support the self-identity struggle by censoring those the progressives want censored. The progressives are too clueless to realize that the social media giants and the billionaires are not censoring on their behalf. They're censoring on behalf of DARPA, the Technological Development arm of the Pentagon, the Department of Defense, the military, basically military intelligence, the same force that controls Silicon Valley and further on into the shadows that which controls military intelligence. And this is the same force behind elite Zionism, which, is, which has become known as Sabbatean Frankism. More about that soon. The self-identity struggle is being exploited to justify censorship of alternative information and opinion, to generate divide and rule, and to provide a diversion while people are fighting over Trump from really important matters, and the censorship of free speech without which there can be no other freedom. How do you defend and the freedoms without freedom of speech to do it. Marxist doctrine entails playing off groups against each other and perceiving groups instead of individuals. This plays into political correctness in the PC pyramid hierarchy of power, which I talk about in episodes 13 and 15. The progressive democratic party supporting Trump-hating mob being exploited in this classic Marxist way don't realize that Clinton would not have been much better than Trump. In fact, she actually wrote a thesis on Alinsky, when she was a student at Wellesley College. The politics in America now is utterly stitched up by elite Zionists. Not that it hasn't been before, but with Trump in power now, it's on another level. Trump is the most Israel-controlled president in American history, for reasons I might get into in another episode, because there's a whole story in itself how that came about. And it goes back to Trump's days as a businessman and casino magnate. On one hand of American politics, you've got the democratic, fake, liberal left being played by people like the elite Zionist George Soros, who doesn't appear to be an elite Zionist, but when you look at what he's doing, it's exactly what the elite Zionists would want. And on the Republican right, you've got elite Zionists surrounding Trump, like Sheldon Adelson, a casino magnate, and Trump's biggest funder. You have Kushner, Trump's son-in-law, his vice president, Mike Pence, and his secretary of state, Mike Pompeo. In this way, Zionists and Saboteen frankists run the show in america now this makes the idea that trump was going against the establishment in his election campaign and that he would be when in power that he really would drain the swamp look even more ridiculous than it did to begin with trump handing the american economy to goldman sachs his government being filled with zionists goldman sachs by the way owned by zionists the whole entire banking system globally is owned by elite zionists which is one of the reasons why Trump handed it to them. His policy, not least foreign policy, being driven by elite Zionists, and his family ties to Israel through his son-in-law Jared Kushner, that might have been just a bit of a clue as to the direction Trump might take when in office. What we're looking at in American politics is not the American government, especially now; it's a satellite government of Israel. This is in the land of the free where anyone could be a politician and anyone could become president. Why, then, are elite Zionists always in key positions of power in America, when Jewish people in America are only a fraction of the American population? And a significant number of those Jewish people will, obviously, not be elite Zionists. Yet elite Zionists keep turning up in these positions of power and influence in American politics. Why? Because, well, one reason is you don't need to be Jewish to be a Zionist. You only have to agree that Israel has a right to a homeland in Palestine to be a Zionist. When Israel is a fake state that was bombed into existence by terrorist groups like Lehi, Urgan and the Stern Gang in 1948 after the Second World War for the interests of the Sabbatine Frankists who control Israel and hate Jewish people with a passion, just as they hate everyone else, they're using Jewish people by posing as caring about the interests of Jewish people to sell and advance their agenda. To put this into context, I need to provide a little bit of history. In the 17th century, a guy emerged named Sabbatai Zevi, who was a rabbi, a cultist and black magician. Zevi claimed to be the Jewish messiah with a massive following, especially for the time. Zevi created a cult in a Sabbatianism, which inverted everything traditional Judaism stood for. So for instance a day of fasting would be a day of feasting in Sabbateanism. Now on that level, there's no problem. But Sabbateanism promoted redemption through sin. Meaning the more evil you do, the quicker God will come to solve the problem. I mean I mean, you know, insanity, but well, that was the way it was solved. A Sabbatean prayer was Blessed is he who permits the forbidden. And this included inverting normal morality into taboos like paedophilia. Sabbatai Zevi found himself at one point in the Ottoman Empire in Turkey and he was given a choice by the Sultan Mehmed IV to either renege on his Jewish beliefs and convert to Islam or light saint. Not surprisingly he chose to convert to Islam while in truth retaining his Sabbatean beliefs in secret and as Zevi had so many followers a large number of them converted officially while remaining Sabbateans in secret. Those who did this became known in the Islamic community is the Donmeh, D-O-N-M-E-H Donmeh, which means to turn. This Sabbatean belief came through history to become the belief of the Saudi royal family who practised Wahhabism, a British Empire-supported belief which manifests today as Islamic State, which was brought into being and is ironed by the West, Britain and America. Wahhabism is the creation of the Donmeh Sabbatean belief system, the Sabbatean cults. In the following century, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, a donme within the Islamic community, was chosen by the British Empire to front up Wahhabism. The British Empire forged an alliance between Al Wahhab and Muhammad bin Saud, the creator of the first Saudi state in 1765. Bin Saud's successors went on to officially create Saudi Arabia in 1932. Wahhab's daughter married Bin Saud's son, so. On that level alone, you can see why there's a closeness between Israel and Saudi Arabia. And by that, I mean those that run this con- even though you would think the opposite would be the case. And why the West, Britain and America specifically, send arms to Israel and Saudi Arabia. Also in the 18th century, another guy emerged called Jacob Frank, who claimed to be the reincarnation of Sabbatai Zevi and the reincarnation of the biblical patriarch Jacob. So he claimed to be the reincarnation of two people. I know, madness. But then, wherever religion, wherever messianic doctrine occurs, well, there usually is madness. Jacob Frank took the scale of Sabbatean depravity onto another level entirely. And he's been described by Jewish people as one of the most evil people ever to exist within the Jewish community. Frank was in favor of human and animal sacrifice and promoted these ideas. Under Frankism, anything goes. This is very much like Satanism's belief of do what thou wilt, otherwise known as do what you will or do what you want, which was promoted by one of the most satanic men in history, Alistair Crowley, who wrote, I want blasphemy, murder, rape, anything bad. The two are very similar because both Sabbatine and is Satanism are the same belief with different coloured window dressing. So yes, the military is run by Satanists, Silicon Valley is run by Satanists, Israel Is run by Satanists, for Satanists, not Jewish people. The elite Zionist organisations that go around claiming to be acting on behalf of Jewish people, by silencing and deplatforming people exposing this or criticising Israel, when they're actually acting on behalf of elite Zionism, are controlled by Satanists, who hate Jewish people. They're not controlled by those acting in the interest of Jewish people. That's why if you're a Jewish person and you expose this or you say much milder stuff, maybe merely quite rightly criticising Israel for its human rights abuses against and genocide of the Palestinians, you're jumped on even more by these organisations. Like the Anti-Defamation League in America, like the Anti-Defamation Commission in Australia, wonder what inspired the name, but I, in Canada, Friends of Israel groups in Britain, which are connected to each major political party in Britain by the way, because it's not about protecting Jewish people from discrimination, it's about protecting the satanic cult. Because that's what Sabbatean Frankism is, a satanic cult. So when I've said in the past that elite Zionists control various areas of society in various countries, not least in the Western world, like corporations, business, banking, military and intelligence, media, entertainment and Hollywood, it's actually, to be more precise, Sabbatean Frankists, Satanists controlling, influencing and directing those areas of society for their own agenda. And directing society through the control of these different aspects of society in the direction of their agenda. And this has been the case for generations. It's important at this stage to take this story on even further to really expose this cult's control of society. Frank was later imprisoned as a result of the Catholic Inquisition, which found him guilty of heresy in other words, infiltrating the Catholic religion by spreading the Sabbatine Frankist cult belief within the Catholic community. Just like Sabbateanism through Sabbatai Zevi infiltrated the Muslim world while posing officially as Muslims. Jacob Frank, after his release from prison, headed to Frankfurt, Germany, a major center for possibly the most powerful Sabbatian Frankists in the world today, the House of Rothschild, who are not Jewish, but Sabbatean Frankists. While they appear to be Jewish, then, whenever anybody talks about an elite or an elite agenda playing out through society you get the even if they don't mention jewish people or israel or zionism you get the claim that's an anti-semitic trope which means it's a classic anti-semitic claim but the rothschilds are not jewish they're sabbatian frankists satanists and anti-semitic actually means anti-arab anyway because it relates to a language group the vast majority of which are arabic languages so even anti-semitic is not actually what it appears to be so frank traveled to frankfurt and there he met up with the house of rothschild and formed an alliance with them and frank also hooked up with a guy later on called adam weishaupt again in the 18th century to create an organization called the bavarian illuminati which later became known as the illuminati i prefer to call them the elite Personally, I don't like to use the term Illuminati because it has become a bit of a gimmick. And whenever anything becomes a gimmick, then it's best to find another term for it. So I just call them the elite. Interestingly, the Bible of the Sabbatian Frankish cult and of the Jewish community, as well as the Kabbalah. And Kabbalah symbolism is Saturn symbolism, which is not a surprise because Saturn is very irrelevant to the human story. I've talked about Saturn symbolism in episode 46 and 57. The House of Rothschild had a red six-pointed star on the front of their house in Frankfurt, which was then used on the flag of Israel because the Rothschilds controlled Israel, being themselves members of this Sabbatean Frankish cult. A six-pointed star is a flattened-out cube, and a symbol of Saturn is a black cube. Two colours associated with Saturn are black and red. Sabbatai Zevi's first name, Sabbatai, means Saturn, apparently. The House of Rothschild used to be the Bowers, not the Rothschilds, And they changed their name from Bauer to Rothschild because Roth means red in German and shield means shield or sign as in symbol like the red symbol they had on their house or the red six-pointed star flattened out cube Saturn symbol. So they're named after this symbol of Saturn. The star of David is also known as the seal of Solomon and Judaism talks about King Solomon. Every syllable of Solomon means the sun and it's the Saturn sun more info about what I mean by that in episode 46. This is why in Freemasonry there's a focus on King Solomon and there's a lot of Freemasonic symbolism which is actually Saturn symbolism. One of the works of the Kabbalah is the Zohar and Zohar means radiance and to illuminate and that's where illuminati came from. Jewish writer and researcher Rabbi Marvin Antleman wrote a book called to eliminate the opiate. Karl Marx called religion the opium of the people. So the name of Rabbi Antleman's book describes the Sabbatine-Frankist agenda to infiltrate religions and communities and change them. So the Sabbatian frankist satanic agenda can replace those communities' beliefs. In To Eliminate the Opiate, Antleman claims this Illuminati, set up by Jacob Frank and mayor Amstel Rothschild, were behind the Jacobins or Jacobins and the Bundegerechten or League of the Just. And it was the League of the Just which eventually morphed into Marxism. Which plays out today is cultural Marxism playing Trump levers and haters off against each other with Trump being the polarizing target as Alinsky wrote as I said earlier. This whole story comes through to modern times in another way. I've said that this sabbatine Frankist cult has a tendency to infiltrate communities and religions and what has Britain and America's foreign policy been since 2001 onwards on behalf of Israel infiltrating communities in the Middle East, Near and North Africa, changing the communities, and installing a new leadership in those countries through the regime change, which suits the elite Zionist, Sabbatian, Frankist cult agenda. It's the same basic principle and it's come forward to today. This taken over of countries in the Middle East fits with the plans of another central figure in the story of elite Zionism called Jaev Jabotinsky. This goes back to the 1920s, who planned a greater Israel, which he said could only be achieved by military force. I talk about this and the truth behind the invasion of countries in the Middle Near East and North Africa by the West on behalf of Israel and therefore the Sabbatean Frankist cult in episode 48. The elite Sabbatean Frankist cult agenda plays out today as it played out in the 17th and 18th century. And part two will take the story on to where the Sabbatean Frankist cult agenda is meant to conclude.